0: Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for the privilege we have of being here. Thank you, Lord, that You want us to know you, each of us, intimately, Lord, and that you love us so much, and you have a plan and purpose for our lives, and you understand us more than we can even begin to understand. So please do a work in our hearts today. We pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit for each of us. Lord, I pray for those that are not able to be here, that you would touch them, strengthen them, heal their bodies, and just be over this morning again, that you would just Be blessed and glorified in it. Be magnified in us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So God got my attention that he wanted me to know him. I was like 23. I was a young mom with a toddler and a baby, and I was overwhelmed and stressed with just that, having little kids at home. My husband got to go to work every day, and I just, ah, you know, I had to stay home with the kids. And my friend said, you need Jesus. And I know God orchestrated every detail in it because a lady prayed with me, uh, she sent me a Bible, and that began my spiritual journey of knowing God. I didn't realize I was what sin was. That took a little while for me to realize I was a sinner. But I learned that God wants to have that close relationship with each of us. He created us, He knows us, and through His Word, we can know Him. So please open your Bibles um, to 1 John, and we're in chapter 2. Verse 1 through 14 is our lesson, our study. And the st- title of our study is Know That We Know. So 1 John 2.1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So as Christians, we should not sin. If anyone sins, Jesus comes to our aid as our advocate, the righteous one, and that atoning sacrifice. And the closer I draw to Jesus, the more I grow in my faith, as you could probably attest to, the more I realize that I am a sinner. And this is Romans six twelve through 14, was one of the Uh, First verses that I was taught and memorized and learned that I wasn't supposed to live in sin. I wasn't supposed to let sin reign in my body. It's, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it, it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Um, so that's Romans six twelve through fourteen. 1 John two two, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours, but only but also for the whole world. And so that's the merciful means by which our sin is covered. Our penalty is satisfied for all who receive him. John one twelve to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And Hebrews seven twenty-five Hebrews seven twenty-five Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So, that uttermost is completely, we are completely saved. As people, um, you know, it's so refreshing to know we don't compare ourselves to others, we don't have to think that we're better or that we're inferior. You know, there's no boasting. Romans 322 b and 23 says, There's no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We make it to heaven only because of Jesus. And so we can say to everyone, Jesus died for you. Have you received him as your Savior? Uh, 1 John 2, 3, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. We have come to know him if we obey his commandments. Verse 4, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth, which is the word, is not in him. Verse 5, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. So we're made complete. With this ongoing fulfillment of God's love in our life. Verse 6 He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So God's ways are good. We show others that we know God, we choose God, we trust in God when we walk in his ways. And then we're in that position for God to bless us. And it is a daily decision to abide in him. Um, and we should do it with joy. Psalms 48 says, I delight to do your will, oh my God, and your law is within my heart. And then there's times when you fe- may not feel like you know God. Um, or you may be ministering to somebody and they're like, I just don't know, I don't, sense god's presence i don't think he's listening to me so we need to ask have you received him as your savior the number one thing to do now matthew 7 22 through 23 so it's matthew 27 22 through 23 many will say to me in that day lord lord Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So notice God uh, said, I never knew you, as opposed to, I knew you, but then you rejected me. So when we're born again, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You can't be unborn, even if you don't feel saved. So once you're saved, you're always saved. Just make sure that you have received Christ as your Savior. And it, make sure that it's not based on our own works or religion. So some people get caught up in that. Well, I'm doing, it's my church. It's, not, it's a personal relationship. As you guys know, I'm sure. But as you're ministering to people out there, they have to make that decision, that choice themselves. Then the second question to ask, if um, someone we you know, feel like we just don't know, where's God? Are they reading the Bible? Are they in fellowship? I mean, it's, it's that consistent commitment to know God by abiding in him being saved being in the word and in fellowship um, And then when we um, or someone we're ministering to maybe lost that joy They're really going through a hard time and as we learned in the previous study that joy is a calm delight And they're just not experiencing that in their life It's a good thing to ask. Is there sin in my life? Because we're not sinless and that pride can creep in. Um, so joy is putting Jesus first, others second, and then yourself. And so if I lost that joy, I know for me, it may, I may be focusing too much on myself. And I need to repent. I need to recognize it as sin and turn to God. Because we're saved, um, and God you know, saves us, but we can put on dirty clothes and so being in sin is like wearing dirty clothes you're saved but you're wearing those dirty clothes so you need to put on clean clothes and we need to do it every day psalms 32 5 i acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity i have not hidden i said i will confess my transgressions to the lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin So God is so ready and willing um, to receive us and forgive us. And David, um, in his prayer of repentance in Psalms 51.4, just demonstrates how we need to make sure we're asking God to forgive us. It says, Against you, only you have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So David was seeking God's mercy. Uh, David knew God wasn't after a sacrifice. You know, I can't justify my sin by saying, "Well, I make cookies on Wednesday night for all the church people," and that doesn't, you know, care about that. It's you know, we need ha- it's our heart, and um, it's not just by being good or godly action, but God wants that broken and contrite heart, and that's part of growing in the Lord. Psalms fifty-one, seventeen. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. And there's such serious consequences to our sin. And that's why God doesn't want us to sin. It just breaks families apart. It's so sad. It impacts us and others. God, um, his love is completed in us as we abide in him living our lives in his word and obeying, not being stagnant, but continually growing in faith, being refreshed by him. Psalms 32, 8 through 11, Psalms 32, 8 through 11 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. So be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. John fourteen twenty one 21-22, Jesus said, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loved me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest, which is reveal myself to him. First John 2, 7. Brethren, which is beloved or dear friends, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. In 1 John 3:11 it says for this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. And so this is that agape love that selfless godlike um, from 1 Corinthians 13. And Jesus lived this truth of this commandment. He brought love to a new level where it's not based on feelings. The kind of love that causes no harm in our words, in how we treat people, in what we say about them. Uh, Romans 13, 8 through 14 says, "Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments... You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So 1 John 2, 8. Again, a new commandment I write to you which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So one thing um, that I like about mornings is you can see that sunrise and it's like it's pushing out that darkness. Um, And this was my favorite verse in this whole chapter, how the darkness is passing away. The darkness will disappear. Everything that is evil is temporary. And in the context of this chapter, it's referring to us not living in darkness, as we learned in the previous study. There's no gray area. We're either dark or light. Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with that unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose or reprove them. And we learned last time where there is no God, there is darkness. For John 1.9 says, That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. John 8, 12, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. 1 John 2, 9, He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. So when we have that hate, we are still living in darkness. First uh, Corinthians 13:2, "If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing." And verse uh, Corinthians here's that verse Corinthians 13:4, and this is that verse where you can replace the word "love with your name. Uh, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Um, Cheryl does not demand its own, her own way. My husband would probably disagree with that one. But, <laughs> um, it's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. 1 John two ten through 11, He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness, and walks in darkness, and does not know where he's going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So if you're stuck in that blindness, in that guilt, if you have pain uh, that you can't release, if there's people that hurt you or you did something that happened in your life and you're still dealing with it, it's so important that we turn to God. Um, And we may need to talk to someone we can trust and help pray through it. And we offer here Mending the Soul... Um, and so if you're stuck in that toxic shame, it is evil. It's not of God. We also have grief share. Um, if you're bitter from losing somebody that you loved, that when you get stuck in that grief, you can, it can cause depression, anxiety. Um, and these resources can be very helpful. Um, so don't stay in that guilt. Don't stay in that uh, darkness. Psalm 30:11 says, "You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off the sackcloth and you've clothed me with um, gladness." So we want the light of God to shine in us so brightly. It's kind of like Moses when, you know, he was on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34, 28, and 29. He came down, and people couldn't look at him. He was just glowing with the Lord. Or when Daniel was called by King Belshazzar to explain the writing on the wall in Daniel 5, 13. And the king says, I have heard of you. And that light, that understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. So we want to be people. Who see us coming, and they comment, and they're like, "The glory of the Lord is shining on those ladies who attend that Bible study." It's like, "Woo!" So they know we've been with Jesus. So First John two twelve, I write to you little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. First Corinthians six eleven. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So we're made set apart, we're made holy, and God cleans up our life for his name's sake. In Acts twenty six eighteen, Paul Paul recount, recounts his conversion and Jesus sending him out, and he says, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So knowing God, letting him clean us up, and following him, walking with him, it's like getting an inheritance. I mean, he's our inheritance. But how do we manage that inheritance wisely? We want to honor God with all that we have, all our talents, our time, our spiritual gifts, including our finances. And I have some scriptures here if you want to write these down, just on finances, Deuteronomy 8:17 8, through 18. so that's Deuteronomy 8:17 8, through eighteen, Proverbs three: nine and Proverbs 10:22. Um, we honor God by being generous. Psalms 112, 5, and 1 Timothy six seventeen and 19. And we also honor God by being wise with our plans, um, as well as with our money, Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. And then I'm going to read Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Proverbs twenty one there is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. And these verses convicted me. Um, our 17 year old granddaughter lives with us. And if she needs anything, I just hand her the charge card. And when the bill comes in, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, things on there that, you know, and it was like Dutch bros. She was very good, but it was like Oh, my goodness, you know, I need to go over this with her. And she says, well, how do you and Grandpa get all this money? You know, she just thinks it's an endless supply. And so I had explained to her that we're on a limited income and we have to budget. And so we need to be responsible with our money as we live for the Lord. And um, I have a real good budget sheet. If anybody's interested, I'm going to get back on that, doing that with her. So First John 2.13. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the father. So fathers are those who are mature, who know God as the father. In John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Young men are those young in faith. John wants them to realize that we're in a battle with the wicked one. Little children, those youngest believers in age or spiritual maturity. And we have some young children in our Sunday school that are strong in the Lord. So it doesn't mean just because you're young, you're not going to be strong in the Lord. Romans eight fifteen through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. By who we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And so, Abba, Father, reminds us we are His children. And he wants that close, unique relationship with each of us. And as we abide in his word, his spirit communes with our spirit and lets us know we are his. Ephesians 1.13, in him you also trusted. And after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in who also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. 1 John 2:14. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked ones. Ephesians 6.10 is finally my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So it's like working with weights. You know, you put the time in with God, you're going to get stronger. Um, Well, Lisa gave me permission to share her story. Her daughter Susie has many challenges. She's helped out here in the little house and also in Sunday school. And she's currently in a group home. But recently, Liso had a week of really being under attack, and God gave Liso the word, nevertheless, and she shared it with us one Saturday morning in praying, and it's from Nehemiah four nine, and it's when the wall of Jerusalem was being restored, the gaps were beginning to be closed, and then the enemy conspired together to come and attack and create confusion. And Nehemiah 4.9 says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. And then if you'll turn to Mark 14.36, the scriptures tell us this was when Jesus was in the garden. His soul was exceedingly sorrowful before going to the cross. And he said in uh, Mark 14.36, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So no matter what our circumstances, what comes against us, how grieving things may become, that darkness is passing. We see the temporary. God sees and knows the bigger purpose in our lives. So know that we can know. We're walking with God the Father, Jesus our Savior and Lord. And we can say, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for saving us, for giving us, for giving us, guiding us to know you. Father, we pray you would use us mightily. Father, help us to begin a revival in our families, Lord. Help us to bring your light to the darkness of this world. We pray you bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen.